good to have you here tonight. As you turn to Acts 14, let me mention just a few things. I thought I had some note cards. Um, remember, we have uh, a question box in the back. Next to the question box, there is a, uh, a file folder. There's a slot there with some index cards. Those index cards are for questions. So you can take a card, write your question on it, put it in a slot. Um, please use those for questions only. I don't want to replenish those. What happens is they go missing, and I still haven't had any questions. People just stole my index cards, so don't steal them. And if you see anybody stealing them, smite them. All right? <laughs> Ushers say they'll, they'll, they'll follow up on that. Okay. So use those accordingly and make sure everybody else has used them accordingly. Also want to mention the, um, the counseling session is going through this book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul Tripp. Um, so uh, you might want to look on Amazon or wherever you can find that book and purchase that before October 20th and November 10th so that you can have that for the counseling training that's coming up. I'm not sure. Um, let's see. I can't remember what I paid for this. I'm sure because of my close relationship with Paul Tripp, he probably autographed it for me and gave it to me free, but I can't remember exactly <laughs> what the cost is. All right, but uh, you can look it up on Amazon. Don't do it now. Don't look it up now. But uh, when you get home, look it up on Amazon. You'll see it's probably somewhere in the $20 range or less. 14, there you go. All right. Um, he wasn't supposed to look it up, but he looked it up. Um, the, the training is free. There's no charge for the uh, counseling training. Uh, it'll give you more details about lunch and all of that stuff as you get closer to it, but... You have to provide your own lunch, but the training is free. All right, tonight we look at Acts um, 14. And this is um, the, we looked at part of this last week, the conclusion of Paul's first missionary journey. And I don't have a map here, but I can kind of see they went through the island. They came across uh, on a continent. They went through partially, then they backtracked. And main point from last week is that they backtracked. They did a follow-up as they gave the gospel to, to see, uh, uh, to minister to the people that uh, they had given the gospel to. And what we saw is ministry was defined in verse 21. They made many disciples. In verse 22, they strengthened their disciples, encouraging them to continue and telling them that uh, living a Christian life is not going to be easy. So that's an important part of follow-up and discipleship. We call it discipleship sometimes. Uh, but that's an important part of it is, is to walk people through in practical ways. You ought to be discipled by someone or being discipled by someone right now. All right? You ought to be discipling someone or being discipling. Being discipled. If you uh, aren't discipling someone then you should be looking and praying. You should be looking to your deacon care, looking to your pastor, your leadership team to see who can I work with? Is there someone that you have in mind for me? 
And then tonight, be in prayer for that. Lord, lead me to a person, not only that I can lead through the gospel, but that I can help and disciple. That might not be a one-on-one relationship. It may be you being a part of someone else of being discipled, and you have a, a role in that or, or some part in that. Um, and so be, be thinking about that. And so um, verse 23 They had appointed elders for them in every church. With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So here they are, going back through the areas where they had preached the gospel through. And here's what it said they did. They, they committed these folks to the Lord. Now, that sounds like, okay, well, God bless you, right? I'm going with my life. God bless you. I hope you do fine. I hope you have success in this Christian walk, right? Well, Paul did much more than that. He committed them to the Lord. He did that with fasting and praying. In other words, he, 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 he genuinely prayed for that. You see that in all the letters that he wrote. He knew people. It wasn't just a general statement. He knew and he prayed for people. Imagine, imagine what Paul's prayer list looked like every day. He prayed for individuals regularly. Um, and so... Uh, it encourages us to do that. But something else is important in this part. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, it's an important part that I think is neglected uh, when we talk about giving the gospel and discipleship. Both of those are local church functions. So too often we think about, you know, uh, we're just going to go and do this on our own. Um, uh, individually, they, we, we're going to do this. These are This is what the local church needs to be and must be involved in. Now, how does this tie to the local church? You can see this on bookends at chapter 13 and ch ended this chapter 14 and ended chapter 15. It started with the local church at Antioch, and they reported back to the local church at Antioch. They were sent out by that local church, and they were sent out to start local churches. The gospel, we've been talking on Sunday morning, Colossians, about, about this, this uh, sanctification process. It is a local church process. It involves other believers who are tied into the local church. And so they, they, it says they appointed elders for them in every church. So as they got the gospel, as they were giving out the gospel, they wanted to see to it that local churches... Were, were set up so that people could grow and be strengthened and the gospel could continue out from there. And so that, that is a, 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 a part. Um, God's intent for us to grow, God's intent for his gospel to spread is all through the local church functioning as it should. So one thing we can pray for tonight is the strength, the health of us as a local church that we're actually doing the things that God wants us to do. That actually, and, and frankly, that's a challenge. That's something we have to look at ourselves and say, am I doing that? Is our church involved in that the way that it should be? Are we healthy in doing that? Um, and we would have to say, no, we're not healthy. We're not growing as we should. Uh, we're not duplicating, reproducing like we should. And so... We need to, 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 to look at the pattern that's been set here and uh, be encouraged and, and do that. 
um, what do we get from local churches here in verse 23? They appointed elders. They didn't just get the gospel out and say, okay, y'all got the gospel. And I was watching a football game the other day, and they scored a touchdown, and they kicked the extra point. And you know, you've seen this before. Um, the camera shows the, 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 the uprights, the goalposts, right, for, for the extra point as they kick it through. And somebody put a sign, what? What did the sign say? John 3.16. John 3.16. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I don't have a problem with that. But too often, that's kind of where, where a gospel or ministry starts and ends. John 3.16, that's it. Here it says, no, it's a lot more than that. And remember in Matthew uh, 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, by baptizing them. Uh, he, let's, let's read that so I can get the Matthew part. I was reading part of the Mark part. But the Matthew 28. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So he says, Make disciples, get the gospel out so that they can trust in Christ. And he says this, Teaching them to do the things that I have commanded. One of the things he commanded is this growth through the local church. The local church is a very important part of, of how the gospel ought to be functioning. And so we need to be teaching people, um, and that's what Paul was doing. He, had, he, was, he was involved and active. He had appointed elders in every church. He committed them to the Lord. And then the verse 24 through 28 I'm going to cover next week. Um, as we see how they met back together with the church that sent them out and uh, gave a report to them. And then we look in Acts 15 as well as we go on to see how they functioned in the local church and dealt with some doctrinal issues uh, in the local church. So again, the encouragement today is that we be a healthy church, be involved in, the, in getting the gospel out as a part of our church and recognize that's a function of a, of a healthy church local church for our time of meditation our being Hebrews says there therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared to us at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Meditation to make us think what is a word what is God's word why do we call God's word one word isn't that kind of a funny phrase all these words are in the Bible 
all these pages, you come all the way to the end of your Bible, it's over thousands of pages, and how can it be called one word? We got to ask ourselves, what is a word? We look in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But how did he create them? He spoke in, with a word, right? He spoke, he said, let there be light. And there was light. You can imagine in this darkness, in this unformed world, all of a sudden light appearing it's like an explosion. And after the light appeared, he gave his word to Adam. He said, he gave his law. He told him to take care of his garden. He told him, I created you in my image. And after that, we see God's word given to Enoch, who walked with God. And he walked with God, and by walking with God, he kind of condemned the world, didn't he? Because by walking and then leaving, he was demonstrating to the rest of the world that this is not our final place or our final goal. And then he gave his word to Noah. And Noah spoke his word for many years. And so here we have the whole world covered with a flood and Noah is still ministering with the word. And in the Old Testament, we look at the word and we can see in some ways it was very limited. It said in 1 Samuel that God's word was very limited in those days. There weren't not many prophets. But if you think about it, it was limited in more ways than that all throughout the Old Testament, no matter where you went. Right? Not many people knew how to read. God's word was simply read by the kings or the priest. And after that, if they wanted to hear from God, they had to go to the priest or God might select a prophet. But how many people knew a prophet? A prophet was so rare that when people heard a prophet was visiting their town, they would be afraid. And so how rare was God's word? And so then we get to this time period now where we see God's word is now being called a person. Jesus is called the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And now, not only do we get God's word infrequently, we get to live with God. So here we are getting God's word, sitting with God's word, eating with God's word. And that was a huge transformation in how God's word went out. That's as big as going from using letters to using cell phones. That was how big that was. And then after God's son died on a cross for our sins, he sent us something else. He sent us the Holy Spirit. And now, we don't have to eat with God's word and talk with God's word. God's word is in us. So then the question is still again, what is God's word? Or maybe, what is a word? When you think of a word, always think of this big pulsing mind. And that's how I always think of God's mind is this huge thing that just fills the whole universe. And what is a word? A word is connecting one's thoughts to somebody else, right? 
I was thinking about my son, Jordan. I don't think that he thinks at a high level because he doesn't know any words. How can he tell me, even if he could talk, he doesn't know any words, how could he express in his own mind that he's sad? How could he express in his own mind that he's happy? That's why he just cries for everything, right? Because he has no way to express. He doesn't know any words. It's very hard for him to connect his mind with my mind. It's hard for me to tell the difference between he needs to be changed or he's hungry because he doesn't use words. And here we have God. He puts his mind in us. He puts his word in us. So the writer of Hebrews, he says, here's God's word. It's so important, and it's evolved throughout the ages, hasn't it? It's changed. It used to be just one thing that God used for creation, little man here and there as a prophet, Jesus dwelling with us, big change. Now the Holy Spirit is in us, God's word. And if people in the ancient world obeyed, not having God's word in them, but simply sometimes just hearing about God's word from afar, how much more will we be held accountable when God's word talks to us in our own hearts, in our own minds? And how blessed are we to live in this age where God's word is always speaking with us? But then if God's word is always speaking with us, we train so much how to speak, but it's so important to train how to listen. And I imagine that it's a lot like when I first started learning the bass, I would listen to songs and they sounded new to me because the first time I started to hear the bass line. And you know what? Maybe we need to take our time and train our ears and hear. Maybe things sound a little bit different when you're listening and trying to say, what is God trying to say in that? And I look at some people like my grandmother, hope she's real good at hearing God speak to her. Some of us have to train a lot harder to hear God's word, but that's okay. All of us still got to practice that skill. No matter where you started, it's a skill that you got to keep practicing. That's what meditation is. As we meditate on God's word, we're simply trying to hear God's word. Sometimes we can strain and try to hear his word. And we're learning how to do that more and more naturally. And that's why we be quiet. We still our minds. We put away our worries. We say, God, just speak to me with your word. Amen. Good evening, everybody. So what I want to focus for on prayer tonight is a good way of saying it. I mean, the first focus is obviously the fact that we have a just God and that we know our God is good and he is a just and righteous judge. Um, anybody who's been following any current events can see the wickedness in our world. I mean, we current events of any kind, you see the wickedness. But this is no surprise to us. 
you know, as the end times grow closer, wickedness is going to reign more and more. Um, but you just see how the world and Satan through his people in the world, his influence, how they like to do things where it's, they do evil and call it good. You know? And so I want to just continue to pray for our society and what's going on with that very thing. As time goes, you're going to see more evil being pushed forward and people are going to call it good and they're going to call it right and the right thing to do when it's evil. And um, so let's, what I'll do is just have two people pray. Um, pray for one thankfulness that our God is a just God and he is a just judge and that we have the confidence in that and also just pray for our society it's a fallen society and that you know his kingdom come quickly <laughs> and then I'll close us Lord we just lift you up as being the one and only true omnipotent God, that we praise you that you are the embodiment of goodness, and that, emb that embodiment is also our judge, and that you judge us in this world, and we know that you are impartial, and we know that you um, are a good judge, and that you judge your people rightly and justly. We just continue to praise your name and, and just lean on you knowing that as we see the world around us descend into chaos and as the ruler of this world Satan continues to run his schemes in the world we see how um, wickedness just continues to grow and reign and um, how it's so prevalent in our lives and as we move towards these end times Lord we see how um, people in our world um, in the name of goodness and fairness how they they do wickedness, and they do it blat blatantly and in the open, and they they rationalize it, and they they put it out there as that's the thing that they should be doing. When we see it see it as something that's evil and unjust, and it doesn't surprise us. But we ask that you continue to strengthen your people um, as those times come, that we can continue to be a word for you and continue to point lives to you um, that. As your work is completed on this earth, that those that you have set aside to be your children hear of the gospel and um, can have the heart change they need to be saved and be your children. And that we do what we're called to do to spread that message about you and about your redemption and about you being that just and good judge. And we continue to just um, ask that you equip us to continue to do your work in this world. In your name we pray. All right, let's take prayer requests. Who has a prayer request?